Today I'm joined in the studio by a freshman member of the Rhode Island golf team from Somerville, Massachusetts. I am joined by Aiden O'Donovan. Aiden, how you doing? Good, thank you for having me on today. No problem. We've got a lot of cool stuff to talk about because we've got a lot of crazy stuff going on in the golf world. This is a show I've been excited to talk about for a pretty long time because, I mean, I'm a big golf guy. You're obviously a big golf guy. So before we get into the pro side of things, I want to learn a little bit more about you and how you got here because obviously golf here is a spring sport. You're kind of getting into your first season here. So kind of tell me what's the feeling going on right now? How's like winter workouts been? How is the kind of whole process been as you're growing into the team? Um, it's been good. We, uh, so we over in the baseball barn, we uh, hit balls about four or five days a week with the guys. We've got a great group of guys over there. And, um, yeah, we have lift three days a week at 630 that are, we actually got a new strength coach, um, after, uh, Thanksgiving break and, uh, he's been great. So we've been, uh, lifting pretty good and it's been a lot of fun so far. So you were a three-sport athlete in high school. You played hockey, you played baseball, and you played golf. So when, as you kind of went through high school, how did you kind of realize, all right, golf was the one I wanted to, like, stick to going beyond high school? Um, I mean, baseball was probably my best sport up until sophomore year. I was playing, I mean, I was playing on, like, two travel teams. It's doubleheaders every Saturday, Sunday. Um but I just didn't didn't like it as much. I mean, golf, I just kind of, my so- summer, going into sophomore year, I uh, stopped playing travel ball, um, AAU, and just kind of went to the course and started playing every day, practicing every day, and I loved it. And so that was kind of kind of it from there. So what about recruiting? How was that kind of whole process? Did that sort of start around your junior or your senior year? So summer of junior year is when you can start getting start talking to coaches like they can email you and uh crickets i mean i started the process so late and just started playing and so a big um tournament organization around in new england is called uh, the u.s challenge cup and so i got buddies so one of my very good friends is over at um vanderbilt i mean which is the number one team in the country um and I played with him at one of my first tournaments ever. I broke 100 for the first time, shot 99, and he shot one under. And then my other very good friend over at NC State, which they're top 50 school in the country, um, and he they both shot one under, and the kid at NC State actually beat him in a playoff. And I just I just broke 100, so I was ecstatic. Um, but, yeah, no, um, my recruiting process was definitely late. I didn't start sending out emails until... Uh, Late, uh, actually, be fall of junior year, just hoping to get something, because I didn't get anything um, that previous summer. And then I reached out to Georgetown, BC, and uh, Rhode Island, and a bunch of other schools. But I sent an email out, say at twelve in the mo- uh, yeah one in the morning. I think I sent it out. That's six. Only a few hours later, Coach Burke got back to me and said, uh, "Yeah, let's have a uh, a Zoom call because with all of the COVID stuff going on, it was tough to." Uh, meet in person so I had a meeting with him and, and two weeks later I committed oh wow two weeks yeah what kind of what kind of drew you around here because I mean like there's a lot a lot of cool schools on that list what kind of attracted you to come here did you end up zooming with any of the other coaches uh, I actually did not it was my first offer um it almost it was almost too good to be true I knew so actually Chris Francoeur who was here um two years ago then last year he transferred to Louisville um, for his fifth year, 
and now he's playing pro golf. But my brother played with him, played baseball with him growing up. So I met him my junior year. I uh, saw him on a potting green, didn't really know he played golf. Knew he was at URI, but I didn't really know how established he was here at the time. Started talking to him, got in touch with him, um, asked about the guys on the team, and um, kind of just seemed like a perfect fit. Coach Burke has a lot of the same values as my dad has, is respect and, I mean, student athlete, the student part comes first, so that's big in my house. Um, so, yeah, everything just kind of fell into place. It was it was nice. So, obviously, a lot of the athletes that I've interviewed thus far, they're a part of really large teams like football. you got soccer, like pretty deep rosters. Golf, it's like six, seven guys. That's it. Mm-hmm. So, kind of, what's what's the vibe like going into like such a small team like that, where everything's like super intimate, super personal, where it's really just like you and like the five boys, mm-hmm. and like that's your squad for the for the rest of the time. Yeah, it's kind of funny. So today was actually the first time this semester that we had everyone at breakfast after lift, and uh, it's funny because we all fit at one table. Like football walked in right after we finished workouts, and there was probably. Th- 20 guys that walked in and that's a fraction of their of their roster um but no it's nice growing up I mean playing hockey and baseball I mean that that team environment is not something I'm not uh, used to but having such a small group of guys is definitely I mean I got six people in my family like that's like it's just weird like sitting at the like at the dinner table or being over at the uh the golf house with the guys just like there's not a lot of people but it's good I mean I've never been so close with a group of guys in such a short period of time, but it's it's been a lot of fun. So what about your projections for you said your first event when we were talking before is in the next week is in the next like week and a half. Yep. Um so what is your kind of projections for that? Do you feel like that all of you guys are gonna be able to like get down there and participate? Like what do, what are you kind of feeling in terms of like your standing with the team right now? Um, so in the fall we had we played five events five weeks straight. Um, and so Andrew was actually hurt right after the first event. Um, he actually finished, he played probably like one or two under his last round. So it was a bummer to lose him. Cause I mean, it's just, there's only having five guys and traveling with five. I mean, when you have guys with six, I mean, some rosters have 10, 11 guys. And so the last two guys in your lineup are usually, um, on your game. And I mean, everyone played well this fall. Uh, we had a couple leads. Um, going to last last days and kind of blew those, which was a bummer. But, I mean, we, VCU, which was our strongest field we played in, we shot 25 under for two rounds, which is pretty impressive um, for being a school up up north when we playing with guys that are all down south. Um, but, no, I mean, obviously our goal is to win, going, going, down, going down south in uh, the next week or so. Uh, we got a good field that uh, bashed the beach. And, uh, yeah. So, like, when you talk about the field, is it a lot of schools just from down south, or are you talking, like, schools from all over the country going to Myrtle to go play? Uh, I'm not sure the exact field, but I know um, ECU is there. Um, I mean, it kind of varies. It, I think there's a bunch of southern schools, but, I mean, there's from all over. I mean, I'm not sure where the farthest team that will travel to it is, but they're uh, – I mean, most some teams would definitely take take planes over there. So then, when you got events with the Atlantic Ten, do you find most or most of those events are 
sort of far away. You got like the VCU kind of you travel down there to like more of the southern schools of the Atlantic Ten, or do you host any events up here? Uh, we used to host an event. I think it was four or five years ago. Um, they had one, but that kind of they went away with that. And um, no, so our closest event in the fall was in Connect. Uh, it was in Masson. It was a UConn's tournament, so they play right over the the border in Mass at uh, Great Horse, which was. It's a nice course. Oh yeah, that is that, that is a nice awesome. course. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, we um, nothing really close this uh, especially in the spring. We in Myrtle Beach, then we go to Elon, and then I f- don't I forget the others, but if they're not oh the Maryland, but yeah, nothing really super close to us. Oh, so that's that's really cool. So like when you're playing when you're playing against a lot of these guys, how does it get like? Because like when I go out with my boys. We're always trying to have fun, but it does get a little chippy, and we're always trying to be competitive. But again, we're not scratch golfers. We're not guys that we're we're basically hacking up the course every time we go out. But when you're going up against guys who are scratch golfers, like when you're talking guys that are shooting consistently in the 30s on nine, when you does it get competitive when you're just going out there to practice with your friends on the team? Uh yeah. So well, we have just like a little birdie game. So. Um... Like, whoever has, like, the most birdies, like, that's what you'll go by. Or that's what we do for practice rounds. Just kind of just to keep it competitive. So, I mean, just want to make a bunch of birdies out there and make, take a run of your birdie pot and then just kind of pick up after that and then just go hit some chips and pots. But, the um, yeah, no, it gets – it's it's pretty gritty out there. I mean, we're playing in 40, 34-degree weather outside, and not a lot of teams are doing that. Um which is it's nice knowing because, I mean, you kind of, I mean, when we're going to have that cold weather in the next week or so, I mean, if it's colder, if it's warmer for us, we're, we're going to be in heaven. But, no, they definitely get very competitive. You won't, it's tough to tell. It's, it's hard. I mean, it's golf. I mean, if you don't play golf, you don't understand, like, that competitive side to it. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, all those guys want to win. I mean, there's not one guy who's taking a second off a shot. You want to hit a good shot and talk some crap. I mean, that's that's ideally the that's the best way to do it. Have you beaten any of them in a practice round? Have you like gone gone up to the hole and like I'm the lone winner after a couple holes? Um um I don't know. I mean, sometimes <laughs> yeah, I I mean, it's been close. I mean, we played last week um and Bryson shot 3 under, I shot 2 under, so it was like we were right there. Um but I mean, these these guys are so good. It's anyone can go out there and have a decent day and shoot three, four, five under, and it'll be tough to beat them. But. That that's really cool. I'm I'm excited to kind of see how this team progresses. I paid a little attention to them last year and saw how they were kind of able to do as the season went on. But this year, I'm I'm excited to kind of see that. So here, let's shift gears. Let's get into a more talkative topic. Let's get into a little bit of the PGA and live stuff going on. So first. Everyone knows about the PGA. Everyone knows about that with the designated events going on this season. This season, the PGA announced that they were going to have designated events to basically drive up viewership for those that aren't aware. Basically, all of like the top golfers in the PGA Tour, regardless of like rank or something like that, you're talking like even guys like Ricky Fowler that are probably lower in the world golf rankings coming into this season. It's the guys that have the biggest following. They were going to be playing at 10 or so events per year. Like they were all going to play. And that was a change that came that the PGA were super excited about. 
because they were able to guarantee fans that they're going to be able to watch all their favorite golfers at any given event. Even events like the Travelers in Connecticut, where you've got a tournament in a state that it's kind of out of the way, it's up north. When they announced that, everyone was pretty excited because people wanted to be able to see guys like Ricky Fowler and Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, all those friends play together at a given time. But the designated events have been successful. You've got the Waste Management Open that was one of the first designated events of the year, mm-hmm. and it had an incredible field. And the turnout was exceptional, obviously. They had almost 200,000 people present during the weekend. Yeah, So it just it was just incredible. So, I mean, as, like a, as a one, one golfer to another, as one golf fan to another, what was your sort of initial reaction when they had announced a change like that? And, I mean, what, what was kind of your feelings about it? Um, definitely a little little mixed emotions. I mean, as a golfer who, I mean, obviously one day my plan is to hopefully be playing in that stuff. I mean, that's the goal. I mean, I've worked this hard for this long, so might as well keep it going. And I enjoy it that much where, um, hopefully after college kind of things things fall in place where I'm able able to make a career out of this um, but you see I think f- first I think about I mean those top guys have so much money I mean that I mean Rory how much did he want for the FedEx 13 14 million he won for the FedEx um, but if you think about the guys in the bottom half I mean there's names that you'll never really hear that are just scraping pennies together just to, for travel fees I mean just for guys to travel is a couple grand entry fees is a couple grand so um but i think if some guys do get hot i mean so like chris kirk who just won last week and he's playing well i think he shot five under yesterday yeah um so what happens at the designated event so if you're playing well so if you play well like two three weeks in a row you can get into those designated events no matter how your ranking is um i believe that's what rory said in one of the interviews so it can't help out some of those those guys in the bottom half but I mean, for a fan watch on TV, when you got Rom, McElroy, Justin Thomas, Spieth, when you got all the big names playing, it's gonna be fun. I mean, hopefully, maybe you'll see Tiger sneaking a couple. Yeah, we saw Tiger play at the Genesis. Obviously, yeah. that's his tournament. That was pretty cool to see to kind of see him come back, knowing that his career is coming close to an end as yeah. well. So seeing him be able to play in an event like that was pretty cool. But then now on the flip side, they just recently announced some changes to the designated events that a lot of people, including myself, I don't, I don't really know how I feel about it. You've got in 2024, from 2024 onward, the 10 designated events on the PGA Tour are now going to be, they're shortening the field from a, a conventional field usually has 156 golfers somewhere around there. They're going to be shrinking those fields down to about 70 to 80 guys. And then after that, you're going to be having the, obviously the purses are still going to be increased, but they're also going to be getting rid of cuts as a result of shortening that field. And that was announced most recently and people didn't really know what to think. A lot of people were like, oh, this is ripping off live, which we will get to in a minute. But myself, I, the only reason I don't really know how I feel about that is because I feel like the cuts provide a whole different dynamic to the tournament. You've got guys who, like you said, are kind of scraping together pennies to try and just get some money out of this, but like it adds an extra fire to the guys down below. For sure. Yeah, say you're not playing well. 
it gives you that incentive the next day to really try and get up there. And all those guys like along the cut line, it adds like a whole different dynamic to just the event as a whole because you got guys fighting tooth and nail to try and get beyond that like plus one or even cut line and so i mean kind of taking that taking that away is i don't know it just it just seems like a a, a bit of a weird move all things considered especially with live and how much they kind of talk down about that but i mean like you're, you're the one who plays in more tournament golf than i do what do you think about that um yeah i mean i definitely i definitely think it's the the designated events are are good just for for the views and um for all that stuff i mean i yeah i mean i i think it's it's great for golf just seeing it on tv like i said with rom and mackerel watching all those guys um but yeah so you don't you wouldn't have any issue with getting rid of the cuts you think that's sort of like it, it it comes and goes it really doesn't make a difference um I mean, when you have a designated event with the guys making, I mean, it's all the, the top names. So it's, I mean, if it was if it was a, a field, say like the Puerto Rican Open, where you have guys that are, there's a lot of Monday qualifiers. Um, I mean, you get some AMs in there, you get some lower ranking pros, um, and like those guys. I mean, if you want to see some guys that will do anything to make a cut go watch some of those like those back nines like i mean having that that pressure i mean i've had some some nervous pots or some nervous shots and you come down the stretch in a big tournament but i mean some of those guys like that's that's their life like like they're gonna put food they don't they might not have like money to put food on their table for their kids their wife their family so you see some of those guys making probably 20 grand i'm not sure what the exact cut is i mean if you make the cut and come in last after the cut it's probably 20 30 grand which is i mean for four days of, of work is is pretty damn good yeah um but the uh yeah i mean like you said i some of those guys will will do anything and i mean when i mean anything anything i mean if you see like the uh, last dance with with MJ, like how some of those guys just have that that instinct, that mentality. Um, like making making that cut is, I mean, that's kind of a big step on tour too. Is some guys you go from getting on tour to start making some cuts, and then hopefully get a couple of top twenty five, top tens, and then kind of move your way in. But having cuts is nice. But I think when you have the designated fields, um, seeing everyone play those last, I mean, it's just you're going to be able to see more. Uh, you're going to be able to see better shots on TV, but the designated events getting rid of the cuts, I think, is fine. Um, I mean, all those guys are going to be making money anyway, so it doesn't really doesn't really affect that that standpoint of it. Yeah. So this is only going to apply for ten events throughout the year. I think those events rotate every single season anyway. Um, it won't affect the four majors. It won't affect the players. So I feel like I feel like that, considering that. It's only 10 events in the season. There's like, I, I'd say like maybe what, 20 events per year, 25. It's, it, it's so, I think it's acceptable. And I feel like most fans, after they kind of come to terms with it, people will be cool with it. But I can understand where people were kind of aggravated about it when they're like, oh, this is just basically live golf. Because now going into live, for those of you listening that may not, aren't, may not be familiar with live golf, live golf is a tour that's been bankrolled by um, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia that is basically a competitor to the PGA Tour or what a lot of people perceived as a competitor. It's another league, an alternative uh, style of golf. It's a team-oriented league with um, 
12 teams, I believe, competing. There's an individual leaderboard, and then there's a team leaderboard that is um, impacted throughout the season. And it's a lot. there's a lot of money involved. And that money then brought over guys like Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, Cam Smith, Mito Pereira, Joaquin Neiman, a lot of big names on tour to go play in what many called this like breakaway league. But the thing about this league is that it's a 54-man field, which is a third of what a usual PGA Tour event is, and there's no cuts. So a lot of people, when it originally came out, their perception was, oh, this is just like basically like cheating money. Because a lot of people, it was a lot of guaranteed money involved. We're talking tens of millions to hundreds of millions of dollars for some of these golfers. And even guys that are finishing last place and live are getting like $180,000 just to finish like 15 over in the tournament. So a lot of people, when people started to quote unquote defect, they started to get pretty angry because it was like, all right, you're turning your back on the league that gave you this position all for what? Guaranteed money. But obviously like uh, Aiden and I, we both watched Full Swing, which was a docu-series on Netflix kind of talking about PGA Tour. And you can see guys like Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Mito Pereira, guys that made the jump, made the switch. There's reasoning behind it. And it kind of goes to like what you were saying, Aiden, where it's like, you got a lot of these lesser guys that are really scraping to make money. Maybe mm-hmm. obviously not DJ and Brooks. They've oh, won majors. Yeah. They've got all the money in the world. You see Brooks Kepka's house on full yeah. swing. Oh my God. It was sweet. But you've got guys like Mito Pereira who hasn't won on tour before. Nope. You've got a lot of these smaller guys that the money that they're getting is life-changing money. And Dustin Johnson put it best. You had, you had mentioned this before the actual show. He was like, if you're getting offered more money to do less work, because don't forget, this is a job at the end of the day for these people to play golf. Mm-hmm. What we call a hobby is what they call a job. When you get offered more money to do less work, who's going to pass that up? And I feel like that's the argument that a lot of people are that are in support of Liv are trying to make. But then when you've got guys like Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas and Tiger Woods, who are such staunch um, uh, opponents of this, it's it's like you almost you almost feel like that they're completely tarnishing the game of golf and that these guys are ruining what we what people have all loved. And I mean, myself personally, I just don't really agree. I went to an event and it looked pretty fun. And I mean, I and I watched it on CW because I now they got a TV broadcaster, and it, it still looked good. It's getting legs. It's becoming more competitive. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, ha- have you been able to pay attention to any of that as the season's kind of gone on? Um, I didn't watch it. Um, what was it a couple weeks ago? Um, so I didn't watch it then. But I mean, like you said, I mean, at the end of the day, it is a job. I mean. If you're getting $300 million to go play, I mean, and you're guaranteed that money, it's kind of a, a no-brainer. I mean, if you have people, I think a lot of people have an issue with, like, the the whole live tour itself, which, oh, they the phone. The phone's going off again. Sorry, everybody. Um, so I think that's, like, a big issue people have, like, with it. I mean, but it just, it's so much money at the end of the day, and... I think it is, it, like you said, it's getting legs, and it's um, kind of taken off with this. But the PJ Tour said that they would consider doing something with Liv if it was, um, it was Greg Norman, if he was uh, 
not a part of the not like the face of Liv because they have they, they had a big issue with him and Tiger um, a bunch of years ago, and so he. Uh, I mean, I've been talking about with the golf guys. I mean, you have like the Ryder Cup and um, the President's Cup. I mean, having I think the most watched thing right now would be say 10, 12 guys from the PGA and 10, 12 guys from Live going at it in a match play style, Ryder Cup style. I mean, I, that that's be, something I'd want to see as well. Would, I think that would be the amount of fans and how much money they would make off um, TV, like the broadcasting from it. I don't, it would be insane. It would be, I think it would be the most watched, it would be the most watched golf event ever by far. I was having this exact conversation with a buddy of mine recently. We were kind of talking about this because it's like, you still got the upper echelon of live golf. They're all still competitive golfers. Yeah. Like Cam Smith, obviously still competitive. You've got like Taylor Gooch. Taylor Gooch shot nine under the other day. Mm -hmm. Like you got Brooks Kepka, and as much as I hate to say it, Patrick Reed is still relatively competitive, even though he's a cheater. But when you say you got like the top 10 guys at live versus the top 10 guys on the PGA Tour, everyone's probably saying, oh no, PGA Tour is going to wipe them. I don't agree. I feel like that there's still, like, a decent amount of competition there. I mean, we haven't seen that um, when you've seen the live guys play at the majors. Because now, this year, all the live guys can play at the four majors, which yeah. is a big, big deal. Um, but last year, when you saw the live guys play at the majors, they didn't play well. I think maybe two of them made the cut at the Masters or something like that. So, everyone got that perception that live golfers, the second you join the tour... <coughs> that it's over yeah. and everything like that. But to me, that doesn't really make that much sense. I was honestly, when I've watched it, like I saw it in person and I saw it on TV, they still seem competitive. And as the league continues to grow and as the league kind of has more and more events, the golf is slowly getting a lot better. And I feel like that, especially allowing the live golfers to play in the majors, that kind of, eliminates the major deterrence um, that golfers had when they, in terms of making the switch. Mm -hmm. Because when you have, when you were making the switch, the biggest talking point was the legacy that you're leaving. That you're tarnishing your legacy, whatever. But now you can go to live, make a hundred million dollars, and still play in the events that people care about. Because I mean, if you're not a golf fan, you're still probably going to know what the Masters is. You're still probably going to know what the PGA Championship is because those are two of the biggest events in just all of sport. Yeah. But if you're but if you're not a golfer, you're not going to know what like the Travelers Championship is. You're not going to know like what the Arnold Palmer Invitational is. So, if you're a PGA Tour golfer that you're looking to make more money and you want to make that jump, I feel like that you're willing to leave those smaller events behind to go play and live, mm -hmm. but then also still being able to play in the majors. Like, that was something that I feel like I'm surprised the PGA Tour allowed to be the case, that they allowed for this to occur, just to, to kind of get rid of all their sort of leverage. So I think the issue is, is, well, with the PGA Tour, I think they would have wanted to, but they're not run by the PGA Tour. Yeah, PG, the PGA um, runs PGA Championship. Yeah. It, each individual... Entity runs each individual yeah, the major. It's like their own tournament. But I just saw something on Instagram. I don't know how true it is, but Liv just bought um, like so many acres of a golf course and it's being redesigned right in Augusta, Georgia. I saw that as well. It was like some like 
couple hundred million dollars for like an yeah. absurd amount of acreage in Augusta, right near Augusta National, which is where the Masters is held. I saw that was that's been circulating for a while. I I I'm fairly certain it's true. Yeah. But I'm I'm curious to see what that actually is because considering the way that Live works and the way that their schedule is, that would be a very very serious move if they were to be like, "All right, we're going to put our final like in Augusta or something like that." Which is crazy cuz their um their schedule it it's dotted all over the world. They have uh I believe like 16 events. A majority of them are in the United States, but then you've got a couple in Mexico, you got a couple in Europe, and then the final, I think the team final is in um, Saudi Arabia in November. But um, to, if you were to buy a golf course and put that in Augusta and be like, that's like the live course, mm-hmm. that's ballsy. That's incredibly ballsy. I think they even said that they might have um, their event like a week, like a week before the Masters or a week after. I think it might have been a week before. Just that a, would that's an interesting marketing move. I mean, obviously the PGA would be pretty pissed off about that, but I mean, you have to think that's probably a smart move from Live because you obviously you first of all have all the people that travel down for the Masters. They're all still there. Yeah. So then that's the appeal like, all right, you've already got fans in the city or in the town wherever it is. So they'll be able you'll get eyes on it. And the TV coverage, all the TV stations are already there. They've already traveled down there. So you're going to have all of that, like, all the eyes already on it. But, I mean, just from, like, a, a public perception, like, if they were to announce that, the immediate perception is that this is, like, crazy. People would be pissed about it. And I feel like that that would be the case. And that's going to be the case until Liv kind of becomes that, like, coexistent league. Because, mm-hmm. like, you're going to have... At some point, you're going to realize that Liv's not going to threaten the PGA Tour. The PGA Tour is not going to go anywhere. It's not going to disintegrate. It's not going to dissolve because of Liv Golf. But I have a feeling that hopefully they're able to do an event like what you talked about, like a sort of a ten uh, a ten v ten Ryder Cup sort of event. Yeah. I feel like if you're able to do that, you're going to have to just suck it up, and they're just going to have to coexist. You may not like each other. The golfers may not like playing playing with each other, but almost that adds to the fun. You've got yeah. this new competitive edge to golf that people are going to want to watch. Like, that hatred. Like, you saw on Full Swing, Rory McIlroy genuinely despises everything and everybody that has something to do with live golf. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And his hatred to live golf is something people want to see. People like to see that emotion. It's like the innate human nature. Mm-hmm. So, seeing Rory McIlroy get fired up talking about how much he hates Phil Mickelson, it's something that people would pay to see done on the golf course. See Rory beat Phil by like 15 strokes or something like that. That's what people would want to see. And I feel like that that's what's going to eventually happen when the leagues come to an agreement and sort of coexist. Yeah, I mean, you don't... I mean, when everyone talks about golf, I think the last thing would be kind of like high intensity or like emotions and... um, but when you see these guys talking, talking like that, especially the full swing thing, you kind of got in depth of uh, where these guys stand and really their their views on it, especially when they were kind of at home and they would talk about it or things would be brought up. Um, but, yeah, I mean, seeing McElroy kind of say some of that stuff that he did would be, I mean, if they did get paired up with some of those live guys and you kind of know that they don't like each other. Like, so Sergio and Phil um, 
I think they, they hate each other. And so whenever they would get paired for something, or I think it was maybe, say, a Ryder Cup or a President's Cup, whatever, um, Sergio and Phil would be playing. and uh, Or they get just paired within a regular term. There'd be kind of some talk about it on Golf Channel or in some other um, some like golf articles, Golf Digest, uh, about it. Just kind of like seeing how they would they would act together. And it's, it's kind of fun seeing those guys going at it. I mean, you definitely know. I mean, especially... I mean, if you're playing with one of your buddies, like you want to beat him. But I mean, if you want the guy, the guy dead, I think it's kind of a different, a different story too. So, bring some fun to golf. It brings the fun to golf, and I feel like it almost makes you play better. Yeah. Because you want to kick that guy's ass, for lack of a better term, and you want to win more than anything. So that almost adds like another level to your game. And it's always so fun to watch guys that genuinely hate each other because it's like you've got a lot of these guys are friends. Like, you'll see Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas play against each other, and, like, it's all competitive on the course, but they're actually, like, best friends in real life. Yeah. Same with, like, Ricky Fowler and, like, all of them. Yeah. But it's, like, you'll you'll get guys, like, Brooks Ke- like Brooks Kepka and, oh, my God, who was it? Was it Brooks Kepka and, and Bryson DeChambeau? Yeah. It was that. They hate each other. And that was the rivalry back in, like, 2019 when Brooks Kepka was winning the PGA Championship. He was winning those majors, and Bryson DeChambeau was, like, right in there. They hate each other. Mm-hmm. And... Now they're both on live, obviously not playing together, but it's like they're both on the live tour. And but it's seeing those sorts of rivalries, that's what gave the game so much more growth in terms of viewership. Like people were getting super engaged on social media. You'd see like the Brooksy versus Bryson sort yeah, of yeah, yeah. banter going back and forth, and everyone was super into it. So I feel like that if you're able to kind of the leagues are able to come to an agreement to just peacefully coexist. I feel like that you'll see so much more competition if um, in between golfers and events, and it just kind of adds that like additional spark that you see in other sports that don't have, like a, a lot of other sports have those types of rivalries, but you, you see some of these individual sports, they don't really have that. Yeah. And now this would kind of allow that to be the case, which I personally am just so excited for. So now that we've kind of broken down the live and the PGA we've been touching on full swing. And this is, I was talking about this with some people that we've watched the show. We've all kind of broken it down. You've watched it. Tell me what was, what would you say your favorite episode from the docu series was? Cause it talked about a bunch of golfers and there were some really good episodes. Yeah. Um, so I was actually, I was not a very big Matthew Fitzpatrick fan. Um, when he was talking about what Bryson was doing, up putting on the weight and swing hard, like swinging out of his shoes and hitting the ball as far as he can, and then he goes on and he wins the U.S. Open. And, and Fitzpatrick was saying that wasn't hard, but which was kind of surprising as a golfer and as such an established golfer as he was. That um, I mean, Fitzpatrick actually has added a ton of distance to his game and not the same way that Bryson has. So I think it's, but I mean. So I wasn't a big fan of when Fitzpatrick said that. I was like, all right, this guy's kind of an idiot. Um, then I saw his um, his episode on Full Swing, and I love the guy now. And his, so my favorite episodes were him and Joel Damon. So, I mean, Joel Damon. Joel Damon. You see him, he's just, just a, a regular dude. You see he talks about how his, his attitude on the course is, is pretty shitty, um, just kind of how he talks about himself and, which is surprising to see as such a good golfer he is. Um, he just accept the fact accepts the fact that he's 
like a top 75, top 50 player in the world, and he's okay staying there. I mean, you saw the guy. He had to qualify for the U.S. Open. It's crazy watching that because for, again, those anybody who's listening that isn't a big golf fan, Joel Damon is an exceptional golfer. But it, the episode kind of showed a side of the game that a lot of people aren't really aware of, and it's how mental health can really impact your game as a whole. Joel Damon is not a competent person. No. He's not at all. And in that, that directly correlated to how his game went, how his game went on, how he played. And because he talked about how his his sort of shtick was that someone's got to be the 70th best player in the world. And in that episode, he's the only person that was saying anything like that. Everybody around him is like, Joel Damon is the caliber of a top 30 golfer in the world. He is an exceptional golfer. But what was holding him back wasn't physical performance or it was his intellect. It was his it was his mental approach to the game yep. that was holding him back. And I feel like that if any if you're a golfer that's trying to improve your game and trying to learn just sort of how to manage the entire just the sport in general, you need to watch that because that's a prime example of someone that has all the talent in the world, but he's selling himself short, and it's directly impacting his play on the course. And, I mean, I was uh, I work with the men's lacrosse team here, and the head coach had watched the show, and he's like, yeah, you, you get him a shrink, and he's a top 30 golfer in the world. Like, you get him like a psychiatrist that can actually dictate to him that he is better than what he thinks he is. Yeah. He's gonna he's gonna win a tournament he's gonna win something and i mean it was honestly just sad watching it because you felt bad for him oh yeah and it was just you felt bad that it had gotten to the point where he felt like he just wasn't that good even though that he was still competitive and was still able to like do so many great things but i mean that was that was another episode that i that i did really enjoy one of the episodes that i loved and this is just more or less because due to personal experience tony Finau episode yeah, the Tony Fino episode was incredible, and the I loved it because my friend Evan and I we went to the Travelers last summer and we met Tony Fino. He came up, took a picture with us, talked to us for a couple minutes. Absolute, genuine, fantastic human being, yeah, just an unbelievable guy. And then that was completely shown in the show, probably beyond what people had thought. And it was honestly, like, I almost I teared up watching it a little bit after he actually won, like, in front of his family and everything. And it was just, like, such an incredible episode because it talked about, like, one of the most genuine, positive people in the game of golf who came from nothing mm -hmm. and was able to really grow the game for so many people and just get some sort of success. And he's another guy where it's like you expect him to win more, but he doesn't. But he doesn't let that, like, beat on him. And he's still able to succeed. And it's just, oh my God. It was just such a great episode seeing that perspective. Actually, of I actually forgot about that episode. That one's cool because he, um, so I forget the exact, the events that happened, but his wife, so his, was it his father-in-law or someone passed away? So I think it was the mom's dad or. I think it was his mom passed. Yeah. And then his wife's father, I believe also Oh passed. yeah, his wife's, yeah, his wife's father. So, and so he had his whole family traveling on the road with him. Um, so, I mean, you see guys that are away from their family for three, four weeks at a time, and it's just just a grind. Like, they're, 
going out there. They're on their own with their caddies, their their purse, their little team there, and their coaches, and they're just going at it for for three, four weeks and uh, workouts and early mornings playing, practicing, just endless hours on the course. And he would go play, practice, and just come home to his family. Like that's a whole another thing that. Um, you see these guys, even guys talked about it too, saying that how much harder it was for him where it was a good thing mentally where he could come back and see his family, but at the same time he wasn't playing well during that little stretch because he has other things to worry about. I mean, he's going to play golf, but that's not his biggest his biggest issue at the time. Like, that's not his, his biggest concern. Like, he's got a family at home that they're on the road with him, so he's got to make sure everything's lined up for them. But you see, after he won his first event with his family there, then he won um, the next week after that. He won back-to-back weeks. And you see when he gets off his um, his jet there and all his family, friends, cousins, they're all there to celebrate and support him. That was pretty cool to see that he's just he's just a, a regular dude, a happy guy with a nice big family. And um, that, was a, that was a very good episode. I forgot about that one. He's an example of someone that... It makes sense that he's got to put food on the table and stuff like that. He's got a big family. He's got three kids. He's got his wife, um, and he's got the rest of his extended family that lives that lives near him and depends on him. So he's the type of guy that you would expect to really try his absolute hardest to win. Yeah, like to try and support his family. But again, such a genuine dude, and it was just so cool. Um, one of the later episodes, I didn't really give this episode a chance until I watched it. It was the Sahith Tagala and the Mito Pereira episode. I got to that episode on Netflix and I was like, I don't want to watch this. Like, I don't really care. And I mean, I had I had seen Sahith Tagala play earlier last season, and it was cool watching him, but like, I didn't really care. It was like it was like, all right, it's another rookie, it's cool. But then I got into it and I watched it. And Mito Pereira is one of the guys that went over to live, and you can kind of see why in this episode. Because you he's he's not an unbelievable golfer by any means. Like he's a very, very, very good golfer, but he's not like a top thirty golfer in the world. He's just not. Yeah. But you see how he's competing and how he'd be like he completely blew it. I believe it was a PJ championship, I think. He blew it on eighteen and was just like his game was incrementally improving, but he was getting nowhere. And then he was like, All right, I gotta go to live. And then once the other Chileans went to live, like Joaquin Neiman, he went to live. And then um, uh, there was the Abraham Answer. He went, uh, the, uh, the Mexican golfer, he went over to live as well. It made sense that he was almost going to go over there because you could see, like, the camaraderie that the um, Hispanic yeah. golfers have. Carlos Ortiz. Carlos Ortiz as well, yeah. So that whole group, it was cool to see how the sort of cliques operate on the tour through that episode. And then... I could, I but like I could pay to watch Sahith Tagala's parents at every single every single PJ Tour yeah. event. That was awesome. Like that, if like I, if I were playing on tour, I'd want my parents to be like that. That was incredible. Just sort of watching that, because um, uh, both of them I believe are Indian immigrants. Uh, golf obviously isn't huge out there. It's like slowly growing, but it's not like an unbelievable sport out there. But like to see them kind of like embrace golf and like as Sahith like grew up getting really good at it just yeah, watching yeah. them play it was so so cool watching them watching them sort of follow Sahith it was yeah. incredible that one you see kind of like the raw emotions of the game too I mean you see uh was it 16 or 17 at the waste management not this past year the year before 
he hit his ball. I think was it last year? It, it was last year. He had seventeen. He had just gotten an unbel- He got a really good. I think it was a birdie on sixteen, and seventeen. All he had to do was use like a wood and just yeah. keep it in the fairway, and he got way too. The adrenaline caught him, and he hit yeah. a driver, and he hit it right into the water. I think he actually. I think he hit an iron off or like a like a. He had less than driver, which they said that the and he got a bad bounce like about 20, 30 yards short of the green. But if it has any sort of speed on that green, it just rolls right off. And he, um, I think he ended up making bogey on that hole too. But you see after the round, he uh, just like kind of broke down, which I mean, it's cool seeing because you don't, you don't see that stuff. You see guys after they win, but you don't see the guy who just lost in a playoff. You don't see the guy who, yeah, you don't see, you don't see the side guy who lost, just lost in a playoff, came in second or third and had a chance to win. Or a guy who came in fourth or fifth, but they made a, had a, a bad, they had a shitty two, three hole. Um, stretch at the end there that that costed him. Like you don't you don't see that side to the game, which I think a lot of people um, don't understand if you don't play. Like that can as as like soft as it sounds like the mental side of a game, but it's it's draining. It's physically draining, mentally draining, but it just it wears you down. And if you have a good week, it can carry on to the next. And the um, but a, a couple bad weeks in a row, and it's it's tough on you. You don't really know how to how to bounce back from it. I mean, that he was able to, after the waste management, I think he had a difficult tournament at Genesis because mm-hmm. that was after, and then he slowly started to get in there, and then he ended up in the FedEx Cup, and it was just, he had a great season. Um, but, I mean, that episode was really interesting because I didn't really give it a chance, and then I was like, all right, well, that was a pretty, pretty fire episode. Like, it was really cool to watch. The story was neat because it's like, that is the story that I feel like most fans can relate to in terms of, like, when they're like, oh, I, I dream of playing professional golf, stuff like that. That's the closest you can relate to. Yeah. Where it's like, you're coming through Q School, you're coming through the Corn Ferry Tour, you finally get your card, and then that's the dream. You start playing well immediately, but then it kind of all falls apart temporarily, and it's like, ooh. But, I mean, he's a guy who I fully expect to get a win this year or next. I feel like he's due. That's yeah. the type of guy where it's like he's going to play. He's playing too good to not be in the thick of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, he's definitely going to be a guy that I think gets a win. And then, so, I mean, the other episodes of note that I thought were pretty cool, Jordan Spieth and the um, Justin Thomas one to open the series was very cool. I feel like everyone's pretty aware of their friendship. And it's just that's like a, t- it's a bromance that everyone needs to see. Yeah. That's like the epitome of like having uh, loving what you do and having your boys there with you. Because the two of them, I mean, uh, Jordan was Justin's best man at his yeah. wedding, and they're competitors on some of the biggest tournaments in the country, and it's just so cool seeing how all of that works. And then, I mean, the final episode with Rory McIlroy, that was, like, I think the only episode where it was, like, solely focused on a single player. Yeah. And it was just, like, that was eye-opening in terms of everything with Liv, because the opinions that he gave were just, they were strong. They were really strong. Um, but it, the show was incredible. I mean, like you, you it, they really did a great deal of work with that show, and they put a lot of uh, put a lot of like hard time into it, and got to show the viewers some like serious emotion that I feel like is going to bring a lot of eyes to golf. Like I did a piece for one of my classes talking about an ad for it from the Super Bowl, and I mean everybody saw it. Everybody was super interested, in it. and then I there are people that don't even watch golf that were watching it that were super in tune with it because of just how it's everyone's super into like reality stuff 
and that is reality. That's the reality of the job. And everyone was just so caught up in the show, and I really hope that they have like more seasons of it because it was just incredible. Yeah, uh, they, I think they're, I think their rumors have already started, or they've already started um, season the, their second season. But you see now with um, guys on tour that they'll like mic'd up, so they give them an AirPod, and the guys in the broadcasting up on the um, in the booth, and they'll talk to the guys like their their shot and how they're playing and. It's surprising to see because I didn't think a lot of these guys were would do that. I mean, Tom Kim is a a rookie on I think he's a rookie this year. Is he? I think he's a second year. Yeah, second year. He um, but you see him like he's like he's what the game needs is that that fiery um, young kid who I mean he very established already has a couple wins. I think he won once or twice, um, but he's nasty. He's he's so good. And you see the guys, they'll, they'll mic him up and they'll walk down the fairways, talk to him after a couple shots or hole or two. Max Homa did it. Someone else just did it the other day. And uh, it's cool to see that they're, they're taking advantage of this kind of modern and all this technology. Um, I think a big part of it has to do with live, which I think is kind of boosting boosting the PGA Tour. Um, I don't know. It, it, everything's good for the game. I mean, the PGA Tour has been, obviously, they just – where did they come up with $100 million? Like They didn't just pull that out of... Yeah, they've had that. They've yeah, had yeah. that, and they, they didn't, didn't want to use it. They didn't pull that out of their behind. Like They've had all that money. Even Phil said it in a press conference at, at a live event. He said, uh, he's like, yeah, it's nice to see that the PGA Tour just came up. Like, Magic came up with $100, $100 million. But, I mean, they've been making so much money for so long. It's kind of nice to see that they're forced to um, put more money into events. You see Rom won $3.6 million. The last guy, I think it was Jim Herman who's won a couple times on tour. He's a very, um, he's not a not your best pro golfer. Experienced, though. Yeah, yeah he's just kind of small guy. He's kind of dinks out to the fairway, nice short hitter, and you just kind of, you'll see him every once in a while get hot and see his name up on a leaderboard. But he came in dead last after the cut, and he made 46 grand. See, it's, it's funny, The Athletic put it pretty well in an article they put out this week talking about how the PGA Tour had been getting stale and they needed something to kind of force it to adapt Mm -hmm. and Live Golf is that. And I feel like that, I agree with you, I feel like Live Golf is just good for the game as a whole. It's going to force the PGA Tour to move in a different direction to kind of adapt with the times. And um, I feel like that it's just good for the fans. I mean, we're we're all just going to be getting more golf. We're going to be getting more entertaining golf. We're going to be seeing our favorite players play more. And people are just going to be able to watch it and enjoy it. And, I mean, the controversies uh, controversies aside, I feel like as a fan, all of this is positive. You really can't say it's negative because you're getting more golf. All your favorite golfers, whether they're old or young, winners or not, you're going to be seeing them playing more and still remaining competitive. And I think that's like the, the hands down the biggest thing. I feel like that it's your golf is a product. They're putting out a product. And so long as the fans are happy, I feel like that's like the right move. Um, so yeah, for like the last couple minutes of the show, because we only have a little bit of time left. Let's talk about just some just some futures. Talk about some projected winners. Because I mean, right now we got the Arnold Palmer Invitational. That's, I don't believe it's a designated event, but it's a lot of big guys are playing in it. You got like shot. Uh, I think of the top thirty guys in the world playing in it. Yeah, so right now you got Rom, 
who's leading, I believe Rom was five under before his seven. He shot seven yesterday. He shot seven. Okay, so he he was leading at seven under. You got guys like Scheffler, Fowler, who were in there at like yeah. four or five under. I got the leaderboard here. They've already started today, but it was um like Rom, Cam Young, um, Chris Kirk who actually won. So that's a crazy story. The Chris Kirk story. So um he I think it was it might have been eight years ago. He needed a T3 finish at the Sony Open to keep his tour card. He finished second that week. Like, if you want to talk about a guy with with some some cojones, if you want to talk about a guy that not up or shut up, that's that's some very impressive stuff. Because you see, like, that's the other side of the game. Like, guys are fighting to keep their card, like, make some money. And that's, um, then he had a very, he had a, uh, issue because he had like I think he was alcoholic for a while had some issues dad and mentally wasn't wasn't doing the best and he's coming up on the other side of that now which is an awesome story and then he just won last week which it was his first time winning it was like twenty five hundred days I don't even know how many years that is That's, yeah it's it's a long it's a long it's time a, it's a long time but I saw that on um Barstool Foreplay the the golf with Dan Rappaport sent tweeted out something he said like eight however many years ago it was that. Chris Kirk needed T three finish and he finished second that week and that was that's probably one of the coolest things that I've seen and heard about the game of golf. That's like that's like a pretty I'm him type of story yeah, where it's like, like okay I, yeah I don't even know what you can relate that to because like that's like that's his life that was everything that week. And, yeah, it's put put up or shut up because once you lose that tour card it's hard to get it back. You have to go through the whole process again. Just like you were never on tour. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see guys like Harry Higgs lost his tour card. If you, I mean, he uh, last year at the Waste Management, he lifted up a shirt with him and Joel Damon. That was so. I think they're they're close buddies, but he actually Harry Higgs lost his tour card. You see, it's kind of his name on the lead where every once in a while, but with like a a, a bigger name, if you're into golf and watch it consistently, um, you would definitely know who he is. He's just kind of just like a fun. Um, very good spirited dude. He has um, he has a pretty good following too. He just kind of kind of like that that careless um, mentality. I'm here to have fun type yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so to see him like lose his tour card just kind of just goes to show that like these guys are it's still a battle and a grind out there. That's it's tough. It it really is. So talking to the Arnold Palmer Invitational, Rom seven under. He's tied for first with um, Kitayama, who I think is a rookie. So that's kind of cool. Who do you think wins just, let's just say, who do you think wins Yano Palmer? Do you think anybody catches up to Rom? Do you think Rom's going to run away with it? Ready? I'm going Cam Young. I said this yesterday. I'm going Cam Young. I love him. So after Brendan Gillis, like I was telling you earlier, he played at Wake his freshman year. He's a, he's a, a fifth-year senior at URI right now um, on the team with me. So he played with Will Zalatoris and, and Cam Young and just like yeah, he showed me some like videos of Cam Young just on the course, like playing, having to, like just practicing with the guys and he's uh nothing but great stories about the dude. So that's that's one thing. I mean, being a good guy, just kinda like imagine what he would be like and as such an established and good golfer he is. Um I like I like Cam Young. Yeah, Cam Young is another uh close to New England guys dad's the pro at Sleepy Hollow Country Club which is like one of the most exclusive country clubs in the in the country yeah um but yeah he's an incredible golfer I wouldn't put it past him but I mean I gotta I gotta go with my boy Ricky here 
Ricky, uh, Ricky, he shot four under. He's four under, he's four right? under and he's even right now, and he's only tied for seven. He's three back. Ricky, my favorite golfer on tour, at no question about it. Mm-hmm. He's due. He's due most definitely, and I feel like that. Well, right now he needs he needs something big here because he has to finish top fifty to make the Masters. Yeah, ahead of um, ahead of the uh, match play. So he has to finish top fifty ahead of match play to make the Masters. So he needs to do something big, like he needs like a a win or like a, a second place or a third place to really solidify that. So I think he's gonna really kind of put the power to the metal here. He just you, yeah, he just switched coaches too. He just went back to Butch Harmon, who was his coach when he was playing well, and he switched to a new coach a couple years ago when everything was kind of going south for him. And he um, but yeah, no, I I he's always been one of my my favorite my favorite players, but. He's just kind of he's just like another very good genuine. Oh, oh absolutely! I went to see him at the Travelers, and he wasn't. He was like top one hundred and fifty, maybe mm-hmm. not pinnacle, not toward the upper echelon of the world golf rankings. But he still drew like thirty people to go see him to do autographs, and he made time to talk to every single person, like including myself. And he still had to warm up to go play. Yeah, and he would still do that, and it was just he's an incredible guy. My favorite athlete, period, probably. And he's just like an absolutely awesome dude, and I'm so happy to be seeing him play well because he switched up everything. He changed caddies, changed coaches, he changed his putter. A bunch he's changed. Of times. He's changed everything. Yeah. And it seems like it's finally starting to work. And um, I'm just. I think that he's due. I feel like that if he goes on a run today, this is his tournament. Yeah. So but the only we'll issue is, is you can't let let Rom get away. You see. Rom in his last twenty one starts on tour is a hundred under. That's unbelievable. Which I mean, take away one of those rounds, that's probably just four just four and a half a little over four and a half under per round, which is uh, insane for I mean, I can't even imagine that. That's just but if he gets on a hot streak, Rom, it's gonna be tough to beat him, especially this week. He's just playing so well. Um but no, Cam Young goes off at 101 today, and I like him a lot this week. He's uh, I love his swing so much, and he actually I saw a thing on a thing on Instagram. It was he was walking through the parking lot with his uh, his baby and his wife, and someone said uh, like Let's get him this week, Big Daddy. That's what they call them. <laughs> <laughs> and the wife they were walking past into the uh, the clubhouse, and the wife goes, Big Daddy, huh? And he just started laughing. But so that's what the guys on on our team would be like. Yeah, like Big Daddy's playing good this week, but. No, I uh, definitely want to see him get a win, Cam Young. I, I love the dude, so that'll be uh, pulling for him this week. Well, all right. Well, Aiden, thank you for joining me on the show today. It was a great conversation. I'm so happy I got to finally talk about golf on the show. But um, good luck with your first event next week, and hope going to be pulling for all the guys and yourself down in Myrtle Beach. But, yeah, good luck, man. Thank you. This was awesome. All right. Well, everybody, thank you. This is the final show ahead of spring break. I'm going to be taking a two-week break to go cover basketball and then sort of regroup. And then after spring break, we'll be back with a new guest and shows will be coming back at you Fridays at 10 a.m. on RAU2. So thank you for listening.